so we're going to take a break this morning from our Genesis series to really focus on this, this theme of Emmanuel that we've been talking about and we've been hitting at this morning, and to really unpack that. Um, Christmas means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but really to the church, there's really only one definition of what Christmas is, and it's Emmanuel, which means that God is with us. This word is not in our vocabulary if Jesus did not come to the earth. And our lives do not change unless God comes uh, to be with us. Because there's, there's this one thing we've noticed over and over and over again in the Bible, and it's this, that we can't change ourselves, that we can't get to God on our own. Over and over and over again, you will see that theme played out, even in the book of Genesis. And every Christian has a story of what Emmanuel has done for them. We call it a testimony. And I love testimonies. I love hearing what God is doing in people's hearts and what he's doing in their lives. I think it's because it's this audible reminder that God is here and that he loves us. So every time I hear somebody's story and hear what Jesus is doing in their lives, I think about Christmas. I think about Emmanuel. I think about the fact that that story is possible because God came to earth. This, this week, a brother was sharing his story with me about how he came to faith. And, um, and here's what he told me. He says, the church that I became a believer in saved my life because they were like the real church. They were like Jesus. I'm looking for that. Is that who you guys are? They were like the book of Acts in real time. They saved my life. And uh, I looked at him and I said, brother, I, I hope so. I hope that's who we are becoming uh, together. I hope that God has met and is meeting us as a people in such a deep and a rich way that the presence of Jesus is palpable through our relationships. Because Emmanuel doesn't stop in the manger. Emmanuel carries on through the life of the church as Christians. But, you know, it, it's when we try to prioritize all the things that keep us from Jesus and yet be with Jesus at the same time that we get into trouble. I, I could say it like this, this tension of why we should listen to this, why Emmanuel matters to us this morning, is that the chaos of our human existence is wrapped up into, into two lies that we've all bought into as humanity. The first one is this, it was in the garden, it's perpetuated in my life and in yours, that our lives would be better if we weren't following God. That was the lie that Adam and Eve believed, that our lives would be better if we weren't following God. Now, when Adam and Eve realized that that in and of itself was a lie, then there was another lie that they bought into, and it was this, that, that God does not want to be with us because we've bought into that lie. That's the lie that we've believed, and that's the lie we keep believing when we fall into sin, is that life would be better if we just wouldn't listen to God and go on our own way. And when we realize that's the wrong way, then we live in this fear and shame that, that we can't come back to him because we've blown it, that we've lost our chance at life with God. But, but, but the, the, the thing about these, these lies that we've believed is that they are all based on a graceless pursuit of life. We think that grace is an accident, like, like it's something that, ah, oh, man, maybe I should just get there if I have to. If, if I get really desperate, I'll lean on grace. But church, you were made to live by grace. God did not mess up and then say, oh, I guess I'll show grace now. Your heart was made to rest on grace alone. That's why God's plan A was Emmanuel, God with us. 
The absence of grace is what makes the world so miserable. Do you know that? It's why the current culture cancels people when they realize that they're sinners and they've blown it because it has no concept of grace. And unfortunately, the church has lost its concept of grace too. We were made to live by grace. Now, if, you, if we haven't come to grips with those two statements, these two, these two lies that we believe that our lives would be better if we weren't following God and that God does not want to be with us because of that, if we, if we don't believe that we've believed those lies, then this message won't have any effect on your heart this morning, unfortunately. Because you won't see how much you need God's grace. You won't see the real meaning of Christmas. So it'll be wrapped up in retail therapy. And this is where we want to go today. Because God has sent himself in the flesh. He has sent Jesus to be seen, to be heard, to be touched, so that our weary hearts might actually believe that God is crazy about us. That he loves us so much that he has done everything imaginable just to be with us, Emmanuel, God with us. So here's our big idea for this morning. The message of Emmanuel does not stop in the manger. The message of Emmanuel does not stop in the manger. My hope is that we wouldn't get lost in the shepherds and the angels and the mangers and miss the message of God incarnate with us this morning. Because it's so easy to get wrapped up into this narrative that is not prescriptive for your life. The narrative is telling the story of how God came. What's prescriptive for your life is to rely on and live by God's grace alone. That's what Jesus, that's the whole reason why Jesus came. So uh, let's get into it this morning. I, I got, this is more of a topical sermon, but what I'm exploring this morning with you is, is God with us. What, how did Jesus reveal this to us? Where did it start? How does it end? Where is the church, how's the church to live by it now? So the first point that I want to make this morning is from Mark chapter 3, verse 14. If you've got a Bible, uh, I'd love uh, to flip there. We'll start in verse 13, actually. And, and where we see this concept of Jesus really pursuing this, this witness with his people is right from the outset of the call. So first point is this. Jesus came so that we could be with him and stay with him. That's the whole reason why Jesus came. So when the fullness of God's plan comes together... Uh, when Jesus is like 30 years old, there's a shift in the intensity of Jesus's mission. It, it is not that he hasn't been on mission in the world. He was on mission since he was in the womb, this miraculous birth. But the shift of intensity changes when he's around 30 and he starts his public ministry. And this is what we see most of, hap- most of the gospel narratives are telling this story. So he leaves the carpentry shop with his dad and he sets out to bring about the plan of his father. And he does this by calling 12 men, um, disciples to be with him. And you see, Jesus left heaven, but he still experienced this perfect oneness with his father in heaven. And w- what Jesus came to do is to restore that fellowship that we were intended for, that we were made for with our father, to bring us back into a right relationship with the father. That, that the loneliness and despair that you feel in your soul is actually what Christmas is about. That, that's why Jesus came, is to deal with that. So l- let's look at this verse here, starting in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to those, called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles. 
You need to underline this next part right here. So that they might be what? With him. Emmanuel. That he might share that with them. His witness with the Father, he wants to share that with us. So that they might be with him. And not only with him, but that he might send them out to preach and to have authority and to cast out demons. So Emmanuel, God with us, has a purpose for the kingdom in the world, we see. Jesus is calling these men to himself. That's the first call, church, is to be with him. The call to preach and to cast out demons or to exercise kingdom authority is contingent on being with Jesus. Yet many in the world think they have to preach and cast out demons for, uh, or name whatever your ministry gifting is in order to be with Jesus. They think they have to do these things to be with Jesus. But the Bible says that the first call is to be with Jesus and then to live on mission with Jesus. That, it, that it's a gift, his presence is to us. But we can't, we can't exercise, we can't preach this kingdom message, this Emmanuel proclamation or this Emmanuel demonstration, exercising kingdom authority, unless we're first with Jesus. Because a relationship with Jesus is the only thing that connects us to the power of God and the authority of God over the fallen world. It's the only thing. Now, the whole thing Jesus' life was about was about, one, being with his Father. How many times do you see Jesus, you know, go to desolate places to reconnect with the Father? It's like a daily thing, his morning exercise that he goes and does. Sometimes the disciples find him, sometimes he invites him with them. The second thing is this. So not only to be with the Father, but to be with his disciples, the second thing, right? To be with his Father, be with his disciples. And the third thing is listen to the voice and call of God day in, day out. That's the whole thing Jesus' life was about. The whole thing. Be with the Father, be with his disciples, listen to the heart and voice of God in life. Now, <clears throat> you can, this is the essence of a full life according to Jesus. You can spend your time as a Christian doing a lot of things, but if you neglect those three things, being with the Father, being with the community, the disciples of the church, and listening to the heart and voice and will of God, you will eventually find yourself not with Jesus if you neglect those things. You, some of you have experienced that before. You've gotten off track a portion of your life and you're like, man, I neglected those three things and, and, and I found myself to be empty, right? So my question to you is, is this. Christmas is really about this plan of discipleship. The, the message of Emmanuel does not stop in the manger, but does the message of Emmanuel stop in the manger in your heart? Is it just some story you look back on and, and you, you read Luke 2, you read the genealogy and hear about all of those things in the early parts of the Gospels? Or is Emmanuel a reality for you day in, day out? Because that was the intention of Jesus. Jesus never intended when these words were written about his life that we would just sit back and think about a manger all the time, think about the shepherds and the angels. Sure, read about them, know the story. But the whole reason that story exists is so that you might experience God with us, Emmanuel. It's the whole reason Jesus came. Now, um, God the Father, uh, which is not to be confused with the Godfather, so don't do that, but sent Jesus to be with us so that we might be with him today, tomorrow, and when the darkness strikes and when we're ready to rejoice and we're ready to suffer and we're ready to cry. But there's this scene, which is a very important one in Jesus's life, that uh, is what makes the reality of Emmanuel possible with us. It, it shows us something very real about our condition 
without Jesus in our hearts through the Spirit. And it's this, that we don't have what it takes to stay with Jesus. We don't have what it takes. So I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say this, you don't have what it takes to be with Jesus, and that's okay. Look at your neighbor and say that this morning. Hey, if you're live streaming, say that too. You don't have what it takes to be with Jesus, and that's okay. All right, so let's, let's keep going here. Number two, Jesus stays with us even when we don't stay with him. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 through 46. So remember, Jesus called these men to be with him when the fullness of time had come, these three years that he's living on mission, Emmanuel, God with us. These disciples are called to be with him. And what he's doing in this is he's showing us the model of how Emmanuel, the name of Emmanuel, the reality of Emmanuel will be pervasive in the earth. That's what he wants to see. And so he gives them not just the message of Emmanuel, but the method of Emmanuel to be with others as God is with us. So we get to the end of Jesus's life on earth right before the cross. And here's what we read. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with them. Remember, he called them so he might be with them. Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And then taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, who were James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Notice what's happening here. Jesus, we forget that, that he's fully man here, right? Jesus' humanity is showing. He needs his men to be with him in this, this darkest moment of his life. And going a little farther, farther, he fell on his face saying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. The inner three, the ones that really got his heart, right? He finds them sleeping and Peter said, and he said to Peter, could you not watch with me one hour? In other words, don't you have the strength to do this on your own, Peter? Peter was the guy that was like, Lord, we'll, go, we'll follow you wherever you go. You remember? He was just so jacked up about it. And Jesus tried to warn him and said, you can't follow me there, Peter. But we're seeing this play out now. He says, goes back and says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, Peter, James, and John. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed. My father, he says, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. He's talking about the cross here. And again, he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and he said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So he's calling them to be with them, even until the betrayal. See, there's this 
culmination that's happening of that eternal covenant that we talked about early in the Genesis series that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit made before the beginning of time. The book of Hebrews chapter 13 tells us this. And it would be that Jesus would be sent to redeem sinners. And the Spirit would be imparted to, uh, to make the life of Jesus a reality in the lives of believers. That, that this was the whole plan from the beginning of time. So the rescue plan is happening in this moment. And Jesus, being fully God and fully men, man is experiencing the frailty of his humanity. He says the spirit is willing to go to the cross, but the flesh is weak. I know your plan, Father, but I, I feel isolated. I feel alone. I feel scared. And the plan from the beginning is that he, his disciples might be with him. They've been with Jesus everywhere. Think about this. They all lived together. They all left their professions White collar, blue collar, didn't matter. They were with Jesus for three years. And so nothing's changed in their relationship. They're with Jesus, business as usual, right? No. Remember Mark 3? What did Jesus call them to do as they were with him? To preach the good news and to exercise authority over the demonic forces that were around them. In other words, proclaim Emmanuel and demonstrate Emmanuel in the world. That's the authority that they have because Jesus is with them. So they're praying and watching with Jesus this night in Gethsemane, and it's an extension of that call. As you're with Jesus, proclaim and demonstrate the good news, because that's what his life is about. Do you hear all the with language in this passage? All that togetherness. Jesus went with them to the garden. He took Peter, James, and John up to his private prayer spot, the place that he, he often went to when he was around Jerusalem for the festivals that brought him into town and the, the holy days. It was his favorite spot to go and get away from all the hustle and bustle and be with his father. Yet he doesn't hold out on the inner three here. He takes them, and not only that, he needs them, as we talked about. Jesus was needy that night in Gethsemane. And Jesus was needy so that we might know the power of Emmanuel in our neediness. Did you hear that, church? Jesus was needy because he was showing us the power of Emmanuel and our neediness and in our weakness. He was showing us what it's like to be frail and human, yet to be filled with the Spirit. And what Jesus is doing is he's enduring the pain of separation, the pain of what we feel through our sin because of the lives that we believe. He's enduring this. So this chasm that exists between the Father that he left to come to earth and the pain of being alone on the earth are being felt in this moment by Jesus. The, the pain of the cross is felt in Jesus's heart before it's felt in his body, okay? He, he's, he's feeling it in this moment. The scriptures say that he's, that, he's, that he's sweating drops of blood because he's feeling the frailty of humanity. And apart from the Holy Spirit miraculously meeting us, we cannot be with God on our own. Jesus is the only one that can over, overcome this pain for us. But you know what we're like? We're just like these sleeping disciples, aren't we? We know what God's called us to do. And we just can't seem to do it consistently or when it really counts, right? Just can't seem to show up when we really need to show up for people. Have the circumstances of 2020 lulled you to sleep on the mission with God. Have you been asleep to the heart of God and the will of God this year because of a pandemic, which has really called us to be more needy of God, 
more focused on him? Have your circumstances driven you to God or from God this year? Those are the two options, right? Where are you, friend? Closing up this year, where are you? What does Emmanuel mean to you this morning? Church, we we can't stay with Jesus on our own. That's why Matthew 26 is in the Bible. We cannot hang on tight enough to Jesus to endure the trials and pains of life that are riddled with the effects of a separated world from a holy God. The beauty of the gospel is this, is that Jesus knows the only way you can stay with Jesus is through the Spirit. That's the only way. It's not enough just to hear the good news and to hang on for dear life. You have to have the Spirit. And what is the Spirit? Is it not God with us? He's constantly applying Emmanuel to our hearts over and over and over again. As we read the word, we feel the fellowship with the Father and the Son as it becomes real in our hearts. This is why over and over and over again, he reiterates that he's sending the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And for some reason, they think that that's that's, that's not a good option, right? We read this in the Gospel of John especially where where the the promise of the Spirit comes and he says, Jesus says he's gonna send a helper. In Ephesians chapter one, Here's how the Spirit is described. Read verses 13 and 14 for you. In him, you also, when you heard the word of the truth, which is the gospel of your salvation, and then you believed in him, here's what what happened in your life, Christian. So when you heard the word of the truth and you actually believed in your heart, here's what happens. That you were sealed, past tense language. Not like you might be sealed if you kind of can stay awake in the garden that night. No, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is, present tense, the guarantee of our inheritance looking to future tense until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of Emmanuel 24-7 church. That God's with us, not just one day when we remember it, but every single day. That's why the Spirit is given to us and why the Spirit is such a good gift to us. And this gift is given at the moment that you receive Christ by faith. The Spirit seals us, and it means this, that he protects us and preserves us until the end, until our inheritance comes. And, you know, we, don't, we won't have the spirit of adoption anymore. We'll have adoption. Romans 8 says you have the spirit of adoption if you're a Christian, Well, you'll have real adoption when Jesus returns and that inheritance takes full effect. But until then, even though the world that we live in is riddled with sin and unbelief in our hearts, the reality is that you're sealed. It's already done. So the question is, the work that Christians have to do is fight to believe that reality through faith and repentance that we are already sons, that we are already daughters, that the Spirit is the guarantee, the down payment that Jesus is coming back for us. And when Emmanuel returns on that day, he's taking all of God's kids home forever. Amen? But right now, the Spirit of Emmanuel, Jesus, is working in the world and in our hearts. He's not just in the manger, you know, that six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus with the gold fleece diaper, you know, He's not just there. Some of y'all got that. He's not just at the right hand of the Father in heaven, as good as that is, but he's with us today through the Spirit. Philippians 1.6 says this, I'm sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Let me just ask you this question. Who began the good work? Did Jesus show up in the flesh in your church and lead you to faith in him? I don't know anybody that happened with. Maybe it did. No, who began the good work? The Spirit began the good work, right? The Spirit began the work, good work. It's the, the Spirit is the one that quickened your heart and made you aware of your sin and led you to repentance and faith. So the Spirit who began the good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. That means this, if you're a Christian, the Spirit's with you, as, as dark as it might get, he is gonna finish the job because he's given us the Spirit as a guarantee until we are finally and fully home to receive the inheritance, which is life with Jesus forever. Now, Jesus is changing our souls and the world as he's hanging on to us. This isn't just good news to believe. It actually has effect in the world. Let me land the plane with this. Being with Jesus transforms our souls in the world. So th this week, you know, I was kind of mesmerized with this concept of Jesus being with us you know, the concept of Emmanuel, because Jesus starts his ministry calling uh, with calling these, these three disciples to be with him, these 12 disciples, the three in the garden there that night. And before he dies, we see that the disciples can't stay with him, as we just looked at. They need the Spirit, and so he sends the Spirit. And the disciples are so grieved when Jesus dies, they can't function. You ever read John 20 before? Right? They're all holed up. They're, they're afraid of the Jews. They're afraid they're going to get crucified too. And Jesus just passes through the doors and shows up, right? I mean, how, how would you like for that to happen when you have a fearful night, right? You had a scary dream. Jesus just shows up in your room. I mean, th that's what's happened here. And, uh, and they're so discreet that they can't, they're, they're holed up and depressed. And resurrected Jesus appears to them and reminds them uh, that he's leaving. And he tells them to wait in Jerusalem for what? The Spirit. Why does he tell them to wait for the Spirit? So that the mission of Jesus can continue throughout all of the world. That the message of Emmanuel will go forth, not only in word, but in demonstration and in power. Listen to what he said to him right before he ascended. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. It's so familiar that you're going to be tempted to tune me out, but listen to it. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In other words, that, that whole, what he, what he called them to in Mark 3, to, to preach the kingdom, to demonstrate Emmanuel and, and proclaim Emmanuel, to, to cast out demons, to, to have authority over the spiritual world, right? He reiterates that here. And he says, because of this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So in other words, go do what I've been doing with you, but not just to the Jews, to the whole world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, because we need the whole Trinity to be a whole Christian, right? And teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And, and hear the promise at the end. Don't forget this. I am with you, Emmanuel, always to the end of the age. He never stops proclaiming Emmanuel to them. Not one second. It's always about being with Jesus. We should celebrate Emmanuel every day, right? You're like, well, that might get a little expensive, Christmas every day. But, but are you seeing the big picture that Jesus came to be with us and he is with us through the Spirit and calling on our lives? He's called us to be with him. 
The only way to impart Emmanuel is to live in life-on-life discipling relationships with other believers, to be close enough to rub off on somebody, for better or for worse. Some of you have missed out on Emmanuel, God, with you this year because you haven't been with the church. You haven't been with Jesus. And I get the pandemic has made that super complicated, but we've got to try everything that we can to be with God's people. Because the only way to experience Emmanuel is through these relationships. It's the whole thing. And you know what happens when this is what Christmas is about? When this is who Emmanuel is? After the disciples receive the Spirit, guess what they do? They go out and do what Jesus told them to do. They start proclaiming and demonstrating Emmanuel. And guess what? People notice. Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, this is when they're preaching before the Sanhedrin right after they've received the spirit of Emmanuel. And what the Sanhedrin realizes, because their main thing is like education and smarts, right? They realized that they were uneducated common men, but they were astonished. So there you have it. It's like this backhanded compliment, right? Like, hey, you guys aren't the sharpest tools in the shed, but hey, something's different about you all, Right? Greatest compliment you could ever have is for someone to spend time with you and say, you know, you're different. There's something different about you. Some of you have had that happen before. What was different about them? The Sanhedrin recognized something. The guys that rejected Jesus, that crucified Jesus, they recognized that these disciples had been what? With Jesus. With Jesus, right? Acts 17, 6, churches describe, they're, they're describing what's happened in the world. These men have turned the world upside down, these disciples of Jesus, and now they've come here also. So the disciples start doing what Jesus asked them to do when he first called them. And, they, and then it's reiterated through the Great Commission and things start to happen. To be with Jesus, to proclaim Emmanuel, to demonstrate Emmanuel. The world is turned upside down as the book of Acts says. Celebrate Christmas this way, church. When Christians get Christmas right, this is what happens. The world is absolutely turned upside down. The only way 2021 is going to be a better year for you is if this is what it's about. Writing a different number on the end of your check ain't going to change a thing in your soul. God loves you too much to let anything else satisfy your heart. So may the message of Emmanuel never stop in the manger for us, church. Let's pray together. Father, we need you. We need you to remind us how much we need you. So Lord, I ask this morning, as we think about Emmanuel, as we think about God being with us and what we do with that reality, what we do with that church, with that that truth, Would you uh, bring a sense of conviction in only the way that a father could, a loving father? And would you draw our hearts closer to you to realize that there have been many moments this year, Lord, where we have veered off the path, where we have not been with you, where we have been like those disciples in the garden asleep at the wheel. Father, we can't be with Jesus alone. We need your spirit to hold us. We need your church to encourage us. 
and we need your will to guide us. So Father, no matter what this life, this year has held for us, Lord, could we close it out being reminded of the reality that this has all been part of your plan to come and be with us. So we thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.